Hello and welcome back to the Argus Crude Report podcast. This is a regular series in which we uh, pick apart some of the trends in the global crude oil markets and try to elucidate for our listeners what's really going on. My name is James Gooder. I'm VP for Crude based in London and I'm very pleased to welcome back Nicole Adesanctis, who is our Deputy Crude Editor, also based in London, and he's the head of our West Africa coverage. Hey, James. Thanks for having me back on the podcast series. It's good to have you with us. It's been a while since we've had a look at what's happening in West Africa, and I think it's a really interesting time to do that because, of course, we have the Russia-Ukraine conflict going on, and that has really scrambled a lot of the typical crude oil flows around the world. And rather like Russia, West Africa is a very important swing producer, right, which has got outlets for its crude both in Europe and in Asia and in other places too. So I'm really curious to find out what the disruptions of the Russia-Ukraine conflict and war, let's call it a war, is having, and particularly how that's affecting the West African market. So what's your take? Right. Basically, obviously, the the conflict in Ukraine has affected the oil markets, mostly in the Atlantic Basin, I would say. And the biggest impacts, I believe, are being felt in Northwest Europe and in Mediterranean, which are usually supplied by like euros, Russian euros from both the Baltics and the North Sea in the Baltics, mm-hmm. we got like Primorsk and Usluka, whereas in the Black Sea, we got Novorossiysk. So the Mediterranean and the and Northwest Europe are also outlets for West African crude. So the shortage of medium sour crude from Russia has led to a brief jump in demand which is actually now ongoing for uh, North Sea grades, in particular like Fortis and Jaws Bedrip, which offer some good alternatives to Euro. But it has yet to convince, I would say, European refiners to aggressively target West African grades so far. West African grade can offer like a wide spectrum of grades from very heavy to very light. But the problem is, it's not much of a problem, but they are much sweeter than the neurals with only like a few grades in Angola, like uh, Mostarda, uh, which I would say looks like newer grade in Angola, or Saturno, that might offer like-for-like like alternatives to Urals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I mean, Urals, of course, has been the base load of uh, European refining for many years, and it's not gone yet, of course. I mean, a lot of Urals are still coming through term contracts, which are gradually winding up as this year goes along, though the spot market, of course, has dried up, at least the portion of it which is transparent to price reporting agencies like us. So it may be a gradual effect, but in terms of, you know, a little bit more specific on the Angolan crude, what's happening? Obviously, we have this Brent Dubai spread, which is still quite wide. It means it's harder to move Angolan crude to China as typically it would go. And so are we starting to see Angolan crudes finding their way into other places? Well, so far, things in Angolan crude have actually slowed a bit because of the uh, introduction of lockdowns in China. And obviously, as you mentioned, the arbitrage economics are not very favorable for both exporters and importers of the Angolan crude, I would say, in, in Asia-Pacific. Now, the introduction of lockdowns in China are now being coupled by the refinery medicine season, which is affecting runs from state-owned refiners and particularly Sinopec. For instance, the trading arm of Sinopec, Unibec, which is the main buyer of Angolan and Congolese crude, is heard to be trying to resell most of the Angolan supplies that it had previously secured via monthly allocations and or through its joint venture with Angolan Sonangol, which is called the SSI. So this obviously is taking up the market like one of the biggest buyers 
on top of this, uh, the Chinese government has um, now almost banned the exports of oil products, of oil products like gasoline or diesel or jet fuel to lower the, the prices of domestic supply. This is obviously as having like a massive impact on demand for Angolan crude. And we are seeing differentials for some of the Angolan key grades or key exports to, to Asia, like Cabinda of Girasol that have shed like more than a dollar per barrel from February and March. They're almost reaching the lowest assessment so far this year. And so we could say that the demand outlook for Angolan crude or Congolese crude like uh, Jeno has seen better days. It's really interesting. I mean, people initially were expecting that some of these medium heavy grades would be a lot stronger given the absence of euros from the market. But in fact, Indeed. we're seeing pressure all around. It's kind of an interesting confluence of events. So that's Angola and crudes of that type. What about Nigeria? Of course, Nigerian crude, lighter, sweeter, and it's competing in Europe maybe with North Sea crudes. And you said that those differentials have been quite firm. What, what are you seeing in the Nigerian export market? Yeah, Nigeria has been a bit different, very volatile in the last few weeks. We have observed a temporary spike in demand at the end of last month, when it seemed that uh, some European refiners were kind of eyeing medium and light sweet grades from Nigeria. This has brought the assessments from some of the grades that are usually favoured in Europe, such as medium sweet Egina or Scravus or Bonga, to temporary record high for Egina or multi-month high for Scravus and Bonga between the end of March and the first week of April. Egina, for instance, has touched a premium to, to North data of almost uh, $0.450 barrel. Wow, for uh, medium sweet crude. Yeah, it? but it seems that this buying excitement has proved short-lived because uh, differentials are now falling back. Although they remain pretty solid, I would say, like for Scrabbers and Bonga, we're still seeing like $2.5 premium. Whereas Gina, I believe now is still around like the $3 barrel premium to not see David. We've seen that the European interest from Nigerian grid has been impacted mostly by a spike in freight rates for Suezamax cargoes going from West Africa to uh, Europe, which is now I believe they are at the highest since mid-2020. This obviously has eroded by interest from, from the region. And some buyers have even had to use co-loads on uh, VLCCs, which are obviously much bigger than, than Swiss Mexican hold up, up to 2 million barrels to bring Nigerian or even Angolan crew to Europe. And this is very unusual. In most cases, it's not very cost efficient. So demand for Angola has also declined due to the, I would call, persistent issues as some of the terminals, namely Bonnie Light and Brass River in recent months. So Bonnie Light experts, which are favored in both Europe, but also in India, uh, now are down to almost a cargo a month, which compares to uh, a more usual like five or six cargoes, which shall declaring force majeure on experts in early March. And I believe he has yet to lift force majeure on experts as far as I know. In the meantime, like Italian uh, ENI has put uh, Brass River Exports also under force majeure in the first half of last month uh, after a blast on one of the pipelines that feed the terminal. So some buyers in Europe are uh, understandably growing a bit skeptical on the availability of such grades. Uh, last but not least, Indian appetite for Nigerian grade has also waned in recent weeks as refiners are getting more and more supplies of euros, according to traders 
it seems that Indian refiners have taken almost 14 million barrels of heavily discounted euros since the start what? of conflict. Yes, a lot. And this is basically like more than what they took in the whole of 2021. So, yes, demand from, from India is not as it used to be in previous cycle, I would say. No kidding. I mean, that's incredible. There's certainly no hesitation when it comes to going after a bargain. I mean, of course, Euros, <laughs> <laughs> Euros has been offered in Europe at like something more than $30 below dated. Yeah. Right? So it's I don't know exactly because I believe the Indians may be buying it on a delivered basis. But either way, it must be difficult to resist low prices like that. Indeed. That's super interesting. Thanks very much for that overview. Um, Speaking of Nigeria, I think we have an update to share on our own coverage of the West African market. A couple of grades that we've moved over from the West Africa oil reports into the main Argus crude reports. I'll ask you a little bit more about that in a second, but just for the benefit of our listeners who perhaps don't have access to both of those. In the main Argus crude reports, Argus assesses the price of West African grades, as we do grades all the way around the world, based on market activity. So reported trades, bids, offers, a survey of market views, both sides of the market, producers, refiners, and also the traders in between, to come to a consensus value. So that's the traditional price reporting model. But of course, there are lots of grades in West Africa that don't have that transparency that we need to make those assessments, but people in the region and elsewhere still want to know what those crudes are worth. So in the West Africa report, what we do is we look at their refinery gate value based on PEMS refining model, which Nicola can tell us a little bit more about. But the basic principle is we look at what a given grade is worth and we look at the refining value of a grade that we do know the market value of, let's say Kwa Ibo from Nigeria or Mm -hmm. Girasol from Angola, something with a bit more liquidity, right? And that difference allows us to assign a value to that grade, so a theoretical market value. But importantly, that's not based on transparent trade. But occasionally, partly I think as a result of the focus that we bring to these grades, this has happened in the past with things like Ghanaian Jubilee and Jeno from Congo. Occasionally, the value or the focus that we bring allows us to start discussing what the real market value of these grades is. And that means we can upgrade the method, if you like, and move it over. So what's the latest there? In which grades are we moving over, Nicola? And what can you tell us about? them? Yeah. So basically, like in the last couple of months, we decided to move two Nigerian grades from the West African oil report to the crude report. And these two grades are a medium sweet EA blend and slightly lighter CJ blend, which is the newest Nigerian grade. In particular, the latter has actually has ramped up production to almost 50,000 barrels a day, which is divided into uh, two shipments of 650,000 barrels. Market information on these two is now much more available, so uh, we have decided to move them to the daily assessment. This has brought like the number of Nigerian grades that we have on the crew report to 13, the West African crude oil report currently hosting uh, as many as 16 Nigerian grades, I believe, at the moment. So um, our coverage of Nigerian crude is still pretty wide and deep. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think when you uh, when you add them all up, the grades that we assess in the Argus crude, the traditional method, plus those in, in the West Africa report, I think we've got more than any other publisher. It may sound like we're removing grades from one report, 
but we don't want to let those subscribers down. So uh, I know we're always on the lookout for further assessments that we can add. Can you tell me a little bit about what's required in order to add new grades to the West Africa oil report? Basically, like what is required, we need to have an assay for the crude, obviously, and then uh, we need to make the assay readable through the PIMS model. So this is something that we're thinking of. We are considering like adding uh, even more crew grades from Angola, Cameroon or, or Congo or Gabon or Ghana, obviously from West Africa. This could also be like from Ivory Coast as well. But before doing that, we're in the process of optimizing our PIMS model configuration at the moment, which is going to give us the opportunity to better reflect the potential values of these grades for which market can be sometimes uh, a bit illiquid. So at the moment, what we're doing, we're working on updates to the FCC unit, as well as revision of a given refinery on consumption. Also something that is quite interesting, uh, we're working on a model to reflect how the current European legislation on CO2 emission might impact refinery economics, just to name a few updates. Interesting. I mean, that does sound like it's going to make those prices even more reflective. Of course, it's impossible for a model ever to reflect reality perfectly, right? But the more accurate we can get, especially now when refiners are dealing with very high costs for inputs like natural gas and hydrogen and all of that, it's very important to make sure that those configurations are reflective. Well, thanks for that update. Sure. That's fantastic. I would appeal to anyone listening, I guess, if anyone's listening, then they are interested in West African crude. And if there are any grades that you would like to see reflected in our reporting that are not currently there, please let us know. You can get in touch with Argus through the usual channels. And I think in the information on the homepage that you've clicked through to get here, uh, we'll have a link to the Argus West Africa and the crude reports so that you can see what the coverage looks like at the moment. So keep in touch. Thanks very much for listening. And thanks very much, Nicola, for joining me. Thank you, James. Always a pleasure. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. Keep in touch and keep safe. 